No, I keep doing that. Now we're recording. Oh, you want me to eat yeah. the mic? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drivers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today is episode 64, and that is the Elmo Langley edition. I admittedly don't know a lot about most of the people that we name these episodes after, but my wonderful father gave me some crap this past week because I did not do my research or due diligence, and I admitted that, about the man who was named after episode 63, and that was Jocko Majacomo, and he went on a walk. He comes back when he was listening to my podcast, and he says, you don't know Jocko Majacomo? And I was like, excuse me? And he was a big Bobby Allison fan, and he proceeded to tell me how Jocko Majacomo, I, I just can't get over that name, it's incredible, how Jocko was the guy who wrecked Bobby Allison at Pocono, almost ended his life, and frankly ended his racing career. So he will never forget Jocko Majacomo. And he wanted me to make sure that I did my due diligence and knew these guys. So right before I went upstairs to record, he asked me if I had any questions, and I told him no. But let's tell you about Elmo Langley, because I did my research on him enough, I think, to tell you who he was. He made 432 starts in his career driving a 64 car, only won twice, but that's more than Jocko Majacmo can say, and a lot of people that ran in the Cup Series in NASCAR, so good job on you, Elmo. And the thing that I learned that was interesting, you don't know and hear of a lot of NASCAR drivers from my great state of Maryland, and even though I think he kind of grew up and lived in North Carolina or that area, he's from Landover, Maryland, which is the home of the Washington Redskins right now at FedEx Field. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that Elmo was a Marylander or an East Coaster or a Maryland Shore or whatever you want to say. Um, and also, people may know Elmo Langley the name because he was the guy who drove the pace car for so many years. Um, I don't know what, it was probably the 80s, 90s, something like that. And I asked my dad if it was uh, in Winston Cup or in Bush, and he said yes. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Elmo Langley will be known in my mind as the driver from Maryland who drove the pace car. But to a lot of other people, he was a pretty damn good race car driver. Won twice in over 430 starts driving that famed number 64 car. Today, we will recap the doubleheader action from Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania. We steered clear of the rain and got every single lap of every single scheduled race in, which was a very big accomplishment in my opinion. We will also talk about the wreck fest that was the truck in the Xfinity race for a little bit, touch on ARCA and ARCA West, and we have an interview on the show. It's been a while, but I'm glad that we finally got it back up and rolling. I wanted to have somebody from NASCAR Executive Brass that was recently hired on, because I think that would have been more appropriate timing-wise, but I've been meaning to have my buddy, Dalen Barr, on the show for a few weeks now. I actually had him slated to be on the podcast on his birthday a few weeks back. But that was right at the height of the civil unrest in the country and 
when Bubba Wallace was speaking out and then the news incident happened. And I didn't feel that it was appropriate to have kind of a fun, joking, jovial interview with Dalen while all that was going on. So I wanted to save it for an opportune time where things were a little bit lighter and people felt that they could let themselves go just a little bit and enjoy our conversation. So we'll chat for a while with Dalen and I hope you enjoy that. It was very, very fun to do a couple months back now as we recorded that at Las Vegas. I'm rambling. Let's start this episode as we start every single one with a good old-fashioned <laughs> doubleheader from Pocono Raceway action. Race number one, Saturday afternoon, the Pocono 325. It wound up being okay. It was a typical Pocono race, I would say, but it also wound up being a strategy race at the end of things, and it was Kevin Harvick who, after 38 tries, 38 races of trying, 38 races of frustration. He finally got off the schneid after all those second place finishes, all those close calls, all those woulda, coulda, shouldas. He is a winner at the Tricky Triangle and Pocono Raceway. Man, was it a long time coming, but Kevin is happy to finally get that victory. Yeah, I think that the best part is you don't have to answer the questions anymore, right? So, um, you know, everybody from Stuart Haas Racing has has done a great job. We've had really fast cars every time we've come to Pocono, just hadn't got to victory lane. So it was definitely awesome to get to victory lane today uh, with, with our Bush Beer Ford. And just really proud of all the men and women at, at Stuart Haas Racing for everything that they're doing right now. We're, we're bringing really fast race cars to the racetrack under really tough circumstances. And the best part is we're capitalizing on them and, and getting to victory lane. So definitely, definitely proud of everybody at Stuart Haas. And he was also asked by ESPN's Marty Smith, the GOAT, what he thought of NASCAR navigating this pandemic, the civil and social unrest in the country, as for what has gone on in the past few weeks. And I thought his answer, albeit a little bit long-winded, it's it's a couple minutes here, but I think it was very, very telling, and, and it was a good answer. So I want to let you guys listen to that as well. Well, you know, I think that the one thing that the world has seen is, is the fact that this is a very tight-knit community. And, you know, whether it was Dale Earnhardt's death or everything that we've got going on in our country uh, from Corona to um, all the different uh, social things that, that, are, that are going on, this is a unified group of people. And, you know, when, when you look at the group of people that are in this garage, a lot of us have been around each other for half of our life. Uh, you know most of the people in the garage, you know the the character of the people in this garage, the character of people in this sport, the sport that is built around families. Um, this is a place that I love bringing my kids. This is a place that I love seeing other people's kids. This is a place that I love um, seeing the fans' kids. And, and you know, that, that's, that's been very uh, much in the forefront, you know, with, with the things that, that have gone on in our sport. And, you know, last week we all stood down there together and you can, I can think of a number of different situations that, that you could, you could put together something like that. And you could, you could show those moments and, and you could show the world that there may be a lot of chatter outside of what's going on in our garage, but the people in this garage are together. Uh, we all want to see racing succeed. We want to see NASCAR succeed and we want to see each other succeed. And we are all very competitive. All the team owners want to beat each other. All the drivers want to beat each other. But in the end, this is the most giving, good-natured group of people that you can ask for in sports. Um, and there's just – there's no way around that. And, you know, and I think when you look at it from a, 
from a charitable standpoint, um, from a unity standpoint. These are just these are just good down to earth people that that love to race. We love what we do, and we'll do what we have to do to to make things make things happen. And, and NASCAR and the teams have have done a great job to safely put our sport back on the racetrack and and get it done. Crew chief Rodney Childers he spoke on getting that W for Kevin, and I, they finished second I think like five or six times since joining forces in 2014 and. They were finally able to break through, and, and we'll get to what happened on Sunday, but we're talking about Saturday here first. Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick, a pair of winners at Pocono, finally after five or six years. Yeah, I mean, every win is a, is a big win, of course, and, um, you know, it seems like this <laughs> this place has been tough on us. You know, we've been really fast every single year, you know, since we started the four car in 2014, 15. Uh, so on and so forth. So we, we've been right there uh, every year. We've had, you know, little things that have happened that have kept us from winning races here. And um, it felt like we had an awesome car both races last year um, and, and, you know, couldn't capitalize. So uh, to be able to, to come here and honestly, I was going to say unload with a good car. Uh, at the beginning of the race, we weren't very good at all. So um, you know, we had to work on it a little bit. The racetrack came to us a little bit, but overall, uh, you know, everybody at Stuart Haas Racing gave us a, a great car and, and Doug Yates and all his guys built us a great engine. And, you know, that, that's really the key of it is you got to have all that ride and, and then do your job at the racetrack. Denny Hamlin came home as the runner up second place on Saturday. Was there anything that he could have done differently in the closing laps to get to him? Cause he was on his bumper with three or so to go but clean air was king for Kevin. Um, the only thing I kind of saw was that I probably should have ran the bottom there coming to the white. Uh, we were making some good time on the bottom, and I just – I overthunk it and thought that he was going to try to go down there and, and air block, and I just uh, ended up running his line and uh, messed up. So, But that's about it. I mean, I thought I optim- optimized my lifetime that whole run. I think we ran him down from four or five seconds – something like that uh, on the same tire strategy on the same lap. So that's all we could do. It just uh, didn't work out. How about Kevin's teammate, Eric Almarola? He had another solid finish. This was his third straight top five result. And spoiler alert, he got another one on Sunday. And we'll, we're not going to hear from him, but that means four straight top five finishes after this weekend for Eric Almarola. That is a new career best streak. So you could argue that right now, Eric Almarola is having the best stretch of his career. Yeah, uh, before we came to Pocono, if you would have told me I was going to finish third and uh, finish second in a stage and win a stage, I would have said, I'll take it. Let's not even go. Um, But after the car we had and and leading all the laps that we had uh, that we led today, uh, man, it was a a hard one to lose, but just really proud of all of our race team. Uh, Booga and all the guys brought me a really fast car and we opted to go and, and try and score as many stage points as we could and, and just outpoint them today. Um, and, you know, it, it got us a couple spots short of a victory, but still had a really fast Smithfield Ford Mustang. And, and uh, we, we're keeping some momentum going. That's three top fives in a row. So just really proud of everybody at Stuart Haas Racing. So we come back on Sunday for race number two. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get all of it in because of darkness, rain, lightning, more rain, all of those things and other variables that were involved. But we did, and I was very surprisingly pleased about that. 
So the top two were actually flip-flopped from Saturday. You had Denny Hamlin winning the race and Kevin Harvick finishing second, but when it came down to the last 10 or 15 laps, Denny was closing on Kevin on Saturday, and Kevin just was not able to close on Denny on Sunday because Denny had the fresher tires, and Kevin got held up through lap traffic a little bit. But this was win number six for Denny Hamlin at Pocono Raceway. Chris Gabehart is crew chief. He helped work his magic. And as Denny said on the radio afterwards, Chris, you're bleeping on it, dude. And he is. And we'll hear from Chris in a minute. But tying Jeff Gordon for the sixth win at Pocono, that is the most all-time. That is a big, big achievement for Denny. Sweeping the races at Pocono as a rookie back in, what, 04, whatever it was? I mean, looking back on that now, that that was an incredible achievement. And he's gotten a win in Pocono in the past year, or I think it was last year or so, but six, tying the most all-time, that is a big accomplishment for Denny. It's definitely meaningful. Uh, I mean, maybe one day I'll get one of those black rocks that they got here for all the good guys that have won it in Pocono. I, I don't know. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I don't – I don't think this is it. I don't think this will be the last one. It's just the way we're, we're, we're going and the way things are uh, rolling with us right now and you know, where I feel like uh, I'm at in my career, you know, hopefully we, we continue to build on it. So uh, we're doing a great job right now. Um, like I say, it's it, I hate to feel disappointed in a second and a first, but, man, I, I really feel like we should have won both races. It just didn't work out. But, um, yeah, I can't be too greedy. i got to be really happy with the result, the how, how, how we – uh, today didn't start off that well. I, I, I kind of got shuffled early. I got some nose damage we had to fix. Uh, the strategy kind of got thrown for a loop, but we still were able to battle our way back up front. So um, that's just a testament to, to great race cars and uh, a team that's on it right now. And I mentioned it right there before we heard from Denny. The call from Chris Gabehart, his crew chief, to stay out long enough to pit for two tires and fuel and come out comfortably, sizably ahead of Kevin Harvick. That was the difference. Here's the man himself on the call that wound up putting them in victory lane. Well, I mean, strategy races are so hard in, in the Cup Series because there's so many bright minds uh, capable of altering their strategy at any point. And then, uh, you know, we had a few extra things come up here with, uh, you know, the weather pushing us back and darkness coming in. And, you know, of course, cautions coming when they do. And then, you know, who's running where and when and changing, you know, kind of shift gears on the fly. But, uh, you know, it just comes down to great people. You know, I got a great group of guys around me and, you know, we really spend a lot of time going over every detail of a race weekend, depending upon the place we're going. And of course, Pocono and strategy is no different, uh, you know, and then, and then Denny's trust, uh, trust in, in, you know, my ability to, to make the calls that, that win or lose, he's in there uh, no matter what. And, you know, it works well like that. The doubleheader weekend for us as fans and media, I think it was fun because we had a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff to watch. But from the crew chief's perspective on the team side of things, he doesn't really feel the same way. I like what is entertaining for you guys. Um, that's our job uh, is, to, is to entertain and compete at a high level. So whatever, whatever NASCAR wants to do, I support. Um, I will say it's very hard on the race teams. Um, you know, we didn't leave the racetrack till after 11 last night you drive over a half hour to the hotel and you got to be back here at seven. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes on in between, uh, preparing a car that just raced 325 miles to race again for 350 miles and put a professional product on the, on the racetrack. It's very important to me and my guys to, 
to, to polish uh, our Toyota Camry up with FedEx on the quarter panel and the hood. I take a lot of pride uh, in putting uh, a first-class race car on the racetrack for, for those guys and Joe Gibbs Racing and my organization. And there's a lot that goes into that. So, so this is very hard, um, but these teams are the best in the business. We'll adapt whatever NASCAR wants to do. We'll support. It's tough to not go two for two, especially when you have the car capable to win both races in a two-day span. But it wound up being clean air and getting through traffic that wound up dooming Kevin Harvick on Sunday. And Rodney Childers came over the radio at the end and said, sorry, that's my fault. You know, we should have pitted later or earlier and gotten through lap traffic better. And Kevin came over the radio and said, it's all good. You won it for us yesterday. Second place, not too bad today. Can't really complain about that. You know, I think I think uh, I think we had a better car today than we did yesterday, and and so that's kind of the way it goes, right? You know, you you, you win the win the win the one that you don't think you have the better car, and and uh, you finish second in the one you think you have the better the best car. So, you know, I think um, overall you you can't be uh, dissatisfied with with the first and second. So I'd feel childish childish if I sat here and nitpicked that apart. Give a call to Eric Jones as well. He's been historically great at Pocono. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I want to say coming into this race, he had six career starts at Pocono, and I think five of them he finished inside the top five or top ten. And he had a really bad Saturday, crashed with Tyler Reddick early, rebounded for a really solid third-place run on Sunday. We needed a good run. I mean, we needed a good rebound. It's, it's, it's great that we finished third. In a way, it's kind of frustrating. I think our primary car was quite a bit better than what um, you know our backup car was today, but obviously third is – uh, a good run, so um, nice to rebound and hopefully just keep the momentum going next week and and Indy and and keep running strong, um, like we talked about there. I, I feel like we've had good speed. We just haven't been able to show. It. We either get run over every week, uh, or we have a penalty, or you know something else happened to us. So it's nice just to have a you know a normal race. I mean, I think on a normal weekend we can run top five pretty easily, and uh, you know I think we showed that today. He almost helped me win some money on DraftKings too, but unfortunately I uh, I lost my one dollar that I put in. Darn, maybe next time. What did you guys think of the doubleheader weekend? I think logistically, if you can do it with five races total at Pocono, which is historically a magnet for rain and Mother Nature, with no lights, if you can do it there, I feel like you can do it anywhere. Now, it's a thing where too much of a good thing may dilute that, and, and I agree with that, but I think we're probably going to see doubleheaders announced in the coming weeks at Dover and Michigan, according to all accounts. And we'll probably, hopefully, see them announced next year as well. But I don't want to see them like eight or nine weekends. I mean, two or three, four at the most, I think that would be solid because you get a lot of bang for your buck and it doesn't dilute the overall product. Logistically, it worked. It's a real burden and it's hard for teams, but these are the best in the business for a reason. They're supposed to be worked every now and then. So NASCAR, I commend you for getting it all in, all five races. And we're going to talk about the other ones here in one moment, but logistically on paper could have been a nightmare in reality and practice went pretty smoothly before we get to our interview with Dalen let's talk about the Xfinity series and Arkham Menard series from Pocono Raceway and Arkham Menard series west out west from Utah Motorsports Campus we'll go in chronological order so we'll start with the truck race, which was at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, bright and early. Everybody grabbed their coffee, their eggs, and bacon and saw a wreck in turn one on lap one. And then we ran like half a green flag lap and saw another wreck. And it was just wrecks on wrecks on wrecks. Uh, <laughs> Matt Crafton, Cody Rohrbach, Christian Eckes, he wrecked while leading 
with a flat tire. That was pretty crazy. But it winds up being Ekus' teammate at Kyle Busch Motorsports, Brandon Jones, who holds off Sheldon Creed, who made a hell of a move on the green-white checkered restart, but it was all for naught, and Austin Hill, who came home in second place. Big win for Brandon, though. It's the first W of his truck series career. He's won the, in the Xfinity Series twice. He has no cup starts, and in the, all the other divisions that he's raced in competitively, whether that be late models, legends, I think K&N as well, he's won. And this one has been tough for him to get, so it was pretty validating for the Xfinity Series regular to dip back down into the truck series and after a few years of trying for KBM, finally get that elusive checkered flag. Yeah, this is big. Uh, that was the only thing that I was missing. And uh, now that everything that I've raced in, I've, I think I've got at least one win in. So pretty big, uh, really is. It means so much for me to at least do it with KBM too. I mean, I, I told him on the front stretch that when I was 13 years old racing uh, short tracks that the 51 was at the racetrack every week with the super late models. I knew one day I'm like, that's, that's what I want to be doing is racing with Kyle Busch. And, and uh, now I'm here winning races with him. The Xfinity race right after that was pretty interesting as well. I, I mentioned that Christian Eckes wrecked in the truck race while leading. Chase Briscoe did the same thing, had a flat tire, but a bunch of cars laid over after he pitted for fresh tires and repairs. He was able to get a lot of spots back, somehow was able to stay on the lead lap. I think Nick Bromberg was tweeting that there was some sort of violation of the rule book there. And he wound up being back up front battling for the lead in like literally four or five laps after something like that. And he took the lead and was able to hold off Ross Chastain. He did a little bump and run, which actually wasn't really a bump. I think he just took the air off of him in the tunnel turn and held on for his fourth one of the season, sixth of his career. It's just further cementing the thought in my head, at least, that this guy is the real deal and he deserves a cup ride in 2021. Yeah, it was... Uh... You know, it was really surprising. I didn't have any warning of it or anything like that. I was going down the, you know, the short shoot after turn one, and all of a sudden it started pulling me to the infield, and I heard stuff hitting the crush panels and everything else, and I put up enough that I was, you know, really worried. I was trying to get out of the way of the leaders. Um, I was worried that I was going to spin out and come right up into them, and, you know, I was I was lucky that it kind of finally blew out on the exit of the tunnel turn instead of right in the middle of it, but uh, you know, then really fortunate too that I was able to woe it up. I think I ended up probably one or two feet off the inside wall. So that would have definitely ended our day. And then, you know, for the left rear to not get the crush panel completely knocked out was a, a huge blessing in disguise. So I definitely thought our race was for the most part over as far as winning. Um, I knew we were probably going to be able to get back to the top five just because a lot of those good cars were tore up. But uh, overall, it was pretty cool to come from the back and, and uh, able to get the win. Justin Haley was also penalized for some aggressive driving because he straight up just <laughs> turned Riley Herbst on the front straightaway. Uh, the 18 was not damaged. The 11 actually was, and he was held for a couple laps, and he was trying to say, like, I didn't do anything. He came down on me, but we saw the, the car just pretty much turn left. And Eric Jones had some things to say about that on Twitter as well, um, and you can read that in Jeff Gluck's top five column on The Athletic. I think that was his fifth bullet point, but... Eric basically was like, there's no respect in this series anymore. Um, and although there's a lot of good talent, there's also a lot of guys that maybe need a little bit more experience before going up to cup or even having more Xfinity series starts. Ross Chastain, I mentioned, he came home in second and he earned the $100,000 bonus again. And that's the third one for college racing, I believe, um, since Dash for Cash was introduced at, in 2020. Um, I think Justin Haley won it once. Or no, it was... Maybe it was four times because Ross has won it twice. A.J. Allmendinger's won it once. 
And maybe Justin Haley won it once. I don't remember. I don't think so because I think Dinger won the race and Haley or Haley won the race and Dinger won the money. I think that's what happened. Anyways, um, the Xfinity race was pretty interesting. Chase Briscoe wins that. Ty Gibbs, he wins the Arkham Art Series race the day before, or two days before, I guess, on Friday at Pocono Raceway. Sam Mayer and Chandler Smith rounded out the top three finishers. I was talking with somebody this week about what to think of Ty Gibbs because you look at his last name and you look at the equipment that he's in, and it's like, well, of course he's going to have the best stuff, and of course he's going to run up front. But it's one thing to to have that last name and have that equipment and not really do anything with it. It's another thing to be in the best car and win. And not just win every now and then. Like, he is winning consistently on a regular basis. So I think, and I'm no, you know, race car guru, scientist, mechanic, but I get that it's the best stuff that he's driving, but you have to be a pretty good wheelman behind the wheel of these things to keep winning on a regular basis like Ty Gibbs is. Here he was talking about his victory, I believe his second of the season? Yeah, that sounds right, at Pocono. It feels really good, man. It's like I come here all my life to watch races, and then I go and I come here and win, but it's like it, I just I don't I, – it's just so – I can't describe the feeling because you come here all forever, and then you come here and, and drive for the first time, make four laps of practice, and win. It's, it's amazing. I can't thank everybody that's helped me out enough, um, even the man above God, and I just can't thank – I just can't thank everybody. It was a, it's been a fun time. I can't I, – I really like these big treks. A lot. They're fun. They're fun, and uh, you know, it was just a, it was just a blast, man. It was a blast. And out west in Utah, the Arkham Menard Series West had a twin thirties at Utah Motorsports Campus. Jesse Love for Bill McAnally Racing and Blaine Perkins for Sunrise Ford Racing and Bob Brincotti. They win each race respectively. Will Rogers had some issues with the handling in the first race, and the brakes gave out in the second one. So unfortunate for our buddy Billy and Bodgers. And um, I want to talk about Jesse Love for a second because the kid's 15 years old. He's a California kid from Menlo Park. Um, I believe he has a very steep background in dirt racing. But this win for BMR was very big. It was the 100th win for Bill McAnally Racing. That's a huge deal. Most in the history of that series. And I think like over 90 of them have come in the what is now known as Arkham Menard Series West. I think a handful came in the East. And a handful came in another series, but congratulations to them. Bill McAnally racing 100 wins. I'd love to have Bill on sometime soon to chat about that achievement. Maybe that'll be a, a project for the coming weeks. I've been waiting to sing this for a few weeks now, but it is interview time. Dalen Barr of Dalen Barr Photography, Bar Visuals on Twitter. You know him, you love him. It's great to great to have another interview on the show. We recorded this in Las Vegas Motor Speedway pre-pandemic, so it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain into those things. During a rain delay while we were just kind of chilling and waiting for the track to dry, we're friends, as you can tell if you didn't already know, and we joke around a lot, and listening back to this interview was fun to kind of just hear all that type of stuff. We debated over whether or not birds are real or if they're a simulation, um, of course, for the meme connoisseurs, y'all know what we're talking about. How DBP began and grew into the empire that it is today. I mean, he has pretty much like 75%, I feel, of the truck and, and K&N field or ARCA field. Some glamorous and not so glamorous stories of living on the road. I discovered what a Chanticleer is, which is kind of like a fighting cock or a rooster because uh, he went to Colsa Carolina University. 
after growing up in upstate New York in a village called Sydney. It's not really a city or a town. It's a village, as he told me. Um, his connoisseurness of memes, that's not a word, but he loves his memes. Real underground meme connoisseur. Stories of his dogs, <laughs> leave it at that, and more. Uh, enjoy the ASMR at the beginning. I actually put it at the beginning of the episode because <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. But here is the man himself, the Empire King of Dalen Bar Photography, Dalen Bar. No, I keep doing that. Now we're recording. Oh, you want me to eat yeah. the mic? Uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> welcome to the Victory Lane Podcast. My buddy Dale Lombard is here. We're just chilling in, uh, I guess this is a radio room. I said the NASCAR PR room. We can go with that, too. We're at Vegas. Well, it's our room now. Now it's our room. You know what it is in here? It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's damn hot. <laughs> it's hot. Well, we're in Vegas. Um... Have you lost any money? Have you no, gained money? No, I am uh I walked into the casino on Thursday. Uh-huh. We weren't on track on Thursday. So speak um, for yourself. I uh, I didn't go to the Arca race like you did. I know you're a big Arca guy, huh? Huge. But huge. Um huge. but Raid series. I racing. <laughs> I walked into the casino with 140 bucks in my wallet um on Thursday like morning. I went and got breakfast with Brad and then came back 140 bucks in my wallet played all day played most of the night went up to bed like nine o'clock after dinner and uh, I had 1190 in my pocket yeah you did so we love that yeah it was it was a good day you still it was, have it in your pocket right now I still got it fat stack in my wallet keep that thing that's on right you. I always keep that thing always on me. I hope this podcast comes out after the race weekend is over so no one tries to mug me yeah no it will okay perfect I don't even know if it'll come out like this week. Maybe it'll come. Uh, this is going to be kind of an evergreen thing. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Speaking of green, nice shirt, nice hat. Thanks. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's my underwear <laughs> too, baby. Hey, I wish this is a video, man. <laughs> don't get me going you like that. You don't want it to be a video. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Again. All right. Let's get into it. So people may know you from Twitter as DBP or Bar Visuals. Or Dale on bar. <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, they may know you as the guy that uh, does not like birds because they're not real. It's You're, not that I don't like them; it's just that they're not real. It's just that they're not real. Okay, thank Except you for, for clarifying that. Except for ducks and geese. Those are, but those are birds, though. Yeah, but they're real. What's the What's the line of demarcation? Um. <laughs> exactly. Their size. So the bigger the bird, the more real it is. Yeah. Is an eagle a bird? Oh well, yeah. Is an eagle real? Sorry. No. A peacock? Yes, that is real. A penguin? I haven't thought about that. Yeah, because they don't fly. They don't they, fly. They don't, right? But they slide. But there's no people in, like, Antarctica, so... Have you seen Where'd You Go, Bernadette? No. It was a bad movie. Don't see it. But okay. <laughs> part of the movie is, uh... I've like, seen March of the Penguins. The mom, like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've seen Happy Feet? <laughs> <laughs> My dude. Uh... Part of the movie is like they, uh, the mom's kind of like crazy and she goes to Antarctica and then people go to find her. And there's like people there, scientists working on a cold, snowy, icy thing. So there are people that live there. Well, yeah, but does the government need surveillance there? I mean, they're probably doing know. like government does projects. Does Antarctica there. have a government? Oh, it's not the United States, so they are real. So if there's, if there's a bird that's outside of the United States, it's real? Yes. 
but birds that are on United States soil or in the air, whatever you want right. to call it, are not real. Okay, this They're changes things. By so the like border. you, so you went to you went to Abu Dhabi. I did a few months ago for I the did. Formula One finale. Yes, I did. Did you see any fantastic. birds there? I did see birds. So those are real. You had those no, are real birds. You had no reservations. Correct. Because okay, the United is, States government doesn't need to see. I'm glad we're doing this because I didn't know that you. You thought, didn't know this. Well, no, I knew that like birds weren't real, and that's birds? what you think and stuff. But I didn't know that it was an only United States thing. Birds became extinct. Um, the United States eradicated them throughout most of the 80s, all the way up until 2001. Uh huh. Okay. And then the government deployed birds as drones. Which administration was this? Uh, Bush one. Okay. I think like Nixon all the way to Bush one. It was like an ongoing project. Okay. And they eradicated the birds, um, created fake birds that are used to surveil us. So, but have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No. Okay. When the government was shut down a couple of years ago, do you remember seeing any birds? I, I don't remember not seeing birds. Well, Okay, what if like what about bird poop? Like what is that? Is that just like ink from a drone or something? Like what? I don't know, man. When I was in Daytona, my rental car had so much bird poop on it. Is it do you know it's bird poop? Did you see the What bird else poop would on it be? It? it wasn't rain. So it's just not real. Microchips that GPS are liquid. Trackers. This is good that I found out that it's only in the US though. Yeah. Cuz I thought you just thought birds in general no, like worldwide. No, 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 no. Okay. That's good. Yep. What about like provinces or like like the virgin islands because that's a u.s territory no, right they, not real there no they're real they are yeah. so it's only they're the just con- mainland US. continental yeah continental 48 it's too hard for them for birds like if they get over open water and they can't find power lines to recharge then they just kind of like <laughs> fall into the ocean and become defunct you know? so hawaii and alaska they're real yeah yeah okay i need you come back to me later Find a demarcation line like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean where they go from real to fake. Like, what's the longitude? What's the latitude? Well, it's, it's people. People are asking. It's close enough to the shore where they can find their way back because if they There's lose no power lines in the middle of the Pacific, right? And if they lose their um, charge service, no. If oh. they lose their GPS service tracker, yeah, then they won't know where they are. You think they just, have like find my friends? I don't know. Do they have snap maps? I, they're, they're robots, dude. We're, um, oh, I thought we were like 10 minutes in. We're only six minutes in, but this has been great so far. <laughs> I, what do you, how do you think this is going? I, th- I think these people are probably going to think I'm an idiot and they're going to stop listening by now. Well, if they're listening, they probably already know who you are. So they probably already know. That's also And they're true. here for the entertainment. That's probably also So true. we gave them some entertainment. We'll give you some more entertainment throughout, but let's get into some of the, the meat and potatoes of what I want this interview to be. DBP is an empire. Dale and Bar Photography. I want to know everything and anything under the sun when it comes to it how did it start what is it what was your vision what is your vision when did it start who did you start it with how did it get started just run it down for me all of it the floor is yours oh lord okay so um glasses are coming off yeah for for the people that don't know dbp is dale and bar photography or dale on on bar yeah day dale on bar correct um bar visuals that's that's actually what I, I applied for my uh, Florida business license to become an LLC there instead of South Carolina because I just moved. But Father Graham, um, by the way, it's gonna be Bar Visuals LLC. Mm. But anyway, going back to the start, 
the first time I ever picked up a camera was September of 2015. I had my first hot pass to the first throwback weekend at Darlington. So September 20, because we're the same age. So September 2015, you were a sophomore in college? Yeah. Yep. So you were 20, 19, 19 to 20. 19. Okay. I was 19. Darlington. Good weekend Darlington. to do your first race. Yeah, yeah. Come a long way since then. I would hope so. It was so cool. Carl Edwards winning was like... That was I was at that race. They were testing that like new the low downforce aero package. Oh, yeah. I was at that was race. So I remember because Carl Edwards, that race that he won, he was one of the only cars in the field without a throwback scheme. Yeah, the aero scheme. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and then it became Carlington. Carlington, yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, that was, that was such a cool that race. But yeah, that was my first time with a hot pass. Um, I actually got it through a buddy that I that worked for NASCAR that raced iRacing. I met him online through iRacing. So. Classic. Um, but I, I brought – it was my mom's camera. She sent it down to me from New York. I, w- I was in college in Myrtle Beach, so it was like an hour drive back and forth to Darlington. Sent her camera down. I took pictures throughout the weekend just, you know, being a, a fan, a, a DARF. Fanboy. So to speak. Um, cool as hell. So cool. And then, you know, didn't do anything with the pictures. I just uploaded them all to Facebook just to be like, huh, flex, hard flex and all these right. plebs that set up in the stands. What you got to do. That's right. And <clears throat> so I was at a housing meeting with my buddy Colin Fern. We were waiting outside. Who now works for Brandon Built, correct? Yeah, works for Brandon Built Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, a 68 car. And we were waiting outside of a housing meeting to pick our rooms for the next semester at college and the guy behind us in line was talking about martinsville and i'm like that's you know that's interesting i didn't know other people knew martinsville existed other than race fans right so i I keep eavesdropping on the conversation you know it's probably like really creepy thinking about it now but i turn around after they said the the guy's name and it was Brandon Brown, I said, "Wait, you're Brandon Brown, like the, the driver, that, Brandon the driver Brown." Brandon Brown. He's like, "Yeah, man." And so I, me and Colin, we started talking to him. And long story short, because I know that you keep checking your time. No, here. I'm checking the levels. I'm not oh, checking okay. the time. We got all the time in the world. Okay. Swear to God. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, I talked to Brandon for for quite a while there, um, and uh, we become somewhat friends i wouldn't say like best friends at that point but we i go to i asked him for a pass to daytona no i asked my buddy from my racing that worked at nascar for a pass for daytona and i said to brandon hey brandon like can we come hang out with you for the weekend at daytona you know i'll bring my camera take some photos whatever he's like yeah sure you know, come on over to the hauler it was a good time Brandon ended up finishing third or fourth, I want to say, in the 86 truck. It's a pretty good race for him. It was really good. You're his good luck charm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I gave the photos to him and his family because the family owns the, the race team. His dad was pretty impressed with it. And then they asked me to come back the following week to Atlanta. Uh, because they were going to run it. They had Atlanta scheduled. And so, ran. so when they said they asked you to come back, just for some clarity, because, like, getting started in the business, I kind of know how it works and stuff. When they said, we want you to come back, was that you going, like, paying your own way? Or yeah, were they yeah, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they 
they had a they offered me a room but i already booked one so um i went to atlanta the next week and brandon had another pretty good run in the truck and put him up pretty good in points uh after the fourth place at daytona and i think the next race after that was like kansas or something something like that oh taking a nap or what there's, a, there's like a, a couple gaps in there i think the next race was kansas and that i went to and i got no it wasn't what was it i don't know what's the truck schedule uh, in 2015 i don't remember 2016 it was 2016 oh. well still i don't remember well doesn't it was, matter it was after that i know that my first time i had my nascar license like in my vest was kansas 2016 cool and we went there that's when i had my green vest you know i'm chilling in the media center this little college student so like up until that point like where were you set up like with all your equipment and stuff in and their their trailer okay yeah okay. In their transport. so you were just working out of their trailer yeah, with kind of like and, a makeshift you know, setup. i was probably doing it not with the the book you know not not the right way yeah and that's why i got in touch with someone at nascar and they direct me to the right person and blah 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 a whole bunch of red tape and i signed my life away and my first two born kids um and was able to do photography for for the team and there was we did quite a few races that year i think 12 or so um and up and until this point like when you got your green vest and you signed i was your life still away? i was still doing all this out of pocket okay uh i was staying in hotel rooms with with Brandon Bill. And you were still in college. And I was still in college, full-time college student. Yes, yeah. So all that out of pocket, driving everywhere. I think I flew to Kansas and I flew to Iowa. What kind of year. car did you have? 1998 Pontiac Grand Prix. Ooh, kill him. Oh, man, that thing was great. I lowered it. And Had some miles on it, I bet. Get, that's, yeah, that's a damn sure. One, one trip, I think it was to Pocono from South Carolina, my air conditioner went out. Oof. And it was, it, I mean, it's middle of summer. It was hot. So it was hot. It was damn <laughs> hot. And I'm sitting in traffic just outside of D.C. on my way up. And, like, I had my sunroof open. I had the windows down. I'm sitting, just sitting there in traffic. It's so hot on the blacktop. And I, like, poured bottles of water over my <laughs> Did head. Did you really? Oh, I was miserable. I was miserable. You like actually poured the water on your head? Yeah, though. I actually poured my water on my head. Because because one of our mutual friends, Aaron Bearden, he drives everywhere. Everywhere. And you know, I'm like, how do you stay up when you're driving through the night? And he told me straight up, he goes, Oh, I just poured cold water on myself. <laughs> I was like, Are you serious? And he's like, No, yeah, just straight driving on the highway, 80 miles an hour, straight on my head, wakes you right up. I thought he was doing a bit, but he actually was serious. <laughs> What's that bit? You're right. So so you pour water on yourself on your way to DC and you yeah. get you get up to Pocono finally. But that was just me driving. I drove to Kentucky, drove yep. to Eldora because you ran the truck race at Eldora that year. Drove to Pocono, drove to wherever Daytona, Homestead. We ran Homestead. I drove to Homestead. I think he ran the Xfinity car that year. Might have been the year after is when they got the Xfinity car, but. Um, just being able to be in the garage and talking to people and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. really Being helped. at the racetrack. Exactly. Um, my first client other than um, Brandon. Brandon Brown was Spencer Boyd. What he a was, character. Yes. He was running the 
grunt style truck. So how did how did you get in contact with him? How did that kind of partnership happen? Because at this point, you're still paying out of pocket. You're yep. a relatively unknown, undiscovered photographer. Uh, Twitter DMs. Yep. You DM slide in or did he slide I in? I slid into Spencer's DMs. Shoot your shot. Yep. I, I sent him that, sent him a few photos, said, hey, man, you know, I'm going to be at, I think it was Homestead. He was running at the end of 16. Yeah, it was at the, it was at the end of 16. Spencer was running Homestead. Um, I slid in his DMs, offered, and I think he already had someone or someone had someone. And he's like, you know, I'll keep you in mind for, for next year. And then the the season ended, and I couldn't wait for racing to get back. And I went to Daytona again. This is 2017 now? 2017, still doing stuff with Brandon Bilt. They brought the truck back to um, Homestead, or Daytona. Had the truck with Sunfrog T-shirts on it. And they missed the race, which sucked. But I still stayed and hung out for the weekend. Um, I started shooting some stuff for Tommy Joe Martins as well. Um, then. Did you slide in his DMs too? No, I actually met him at the track. I met him at Talladega in 2016. You just kind of said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and Cody Ware, I was talking to Cody Ware at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when Rick Ware racing was starting to go into the cup side was yeah. 2017, I think. Or so this kind of leads me to my next question then. So I was going to ask you kind of to run me down your list of clients now. Because I, I know it's a long list. He's <laughs> pulling out his phone to look at him. Because, I <laughs> Don't mean, tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> because I remember all of you, I promise. Yeah, because starting out in 2015 with Carlington – and not really having anything, and then from Brandon to Spencer to Tommy Joe, and now it seems like you're shooting three-quarters of the truck field, three-quarters of the Xfinity field, <laughs> some ARCA drivers, some cup teams. Well, like not that You got much. everything. <laughs> so who uh, you got now? Well, you want me to start top-down or bottom-up or? Whatever you want. Uh, let's start Let's start top-down. Um, this year in the cup series, I'm shooting for Daniel Suarez and Gaunt Brothers Racing. And that's your first full-time deal for the Cup Series. Yeah, uh, right now it's like a, a week-to-week sort of thing. Okay. Because um, you did stuff for Beard Motorsports, right? Yes, yeah. I did work with Brendan and um, Beard Motorsports, Amy Beard and Linda Beard and Mark Beard. They're great family. And stuff for Rick Ware, too. Uh, some, some stuff for Rick and Lisa, yeah, and um, Cody. Uh, I've worked pretty close with Timmy Hill. But that's the that. pride of Maryland. Yes, yeah, that's right. Fort Tobacco, Maryland. So that's the Cup Series. No, no. No. Gaunt Brothers Racing, Daniel Suarez, trying to work on that for the rest of the year. Um, I got the West Coast swing for sure. Um, and then I also have Brennan Poole mm. in the the Cup Series. That's a premium client. That is a premium motorsports client. Got him. Um, when he has partners on the car, um, then Xfinity Series. Brandon Bilt, I'm still working with Brandon Bilt. Um, Sam Hunt Racing, when they raced, they they came to Daytona, and unfortunately they missed it by they that much. It. Yeah, very, very, very slim margin. Keep talking. I'm just going to take off my jacket. Um, Myatt Snyder, uh, even though he's with RCR, and they got the great Justin Wapham shooting for him and uh, Harold Henson shooting their shooting their stuff. <laughs> Live podcasting, baby. <laughs> um, shooting their stuff. Myatt still wanted me to shoot uh, for him personally this year when he's with RCR and when he's with 
uh, RSS with mm-hmm. the Siegs. Um, Hattori Racing, when they run the Xfinity car, and I, I, I got a story about them in the truck side when I get to that. Um, Martin's Motorsports, Tommy Joe has me back. Robbie Lyons when he races. Um, and Joe Graff Jr. for a few races or so this year. Probably like 10, I'd say, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their partners. And then Truck Series, where I have the entire garage. Um, AM Racing, Austin Wayne Self. CR7 Motorsports with Cody Rohrbaugh. Hattori Racing. Um, I shot for Spencer Boyd this weekend in Las Vegas. On Point Motorsports with Brennan Poole again. Uh, Hill Motorsports with Timmy Hill, Tyler Hill, Gus Dean. Bill McAnally Racing with uh, Derek Krause. Thor Sport, all four Thor Sport trucks, Jesse Little, and Diversified Motorsports Enterprises. So you said that it was wrong that you're shooting like 75% of the garage. And Clay Greenfield. You're shooting a, a you-know-what ton. That's what? crazy. Well, a lot of trucks, yeah. ton of trucks. So what's that, like, I don't know, last, 10, 10 teams? Last night in the trucks, I sent... He's looking back at how many he sent. Jordan Anderson, Cody Rohrbaugh, Austin Hill, Derek Krause, Spencer Boyd, Austin Wayne Self, Brennan Poole, um, Ross Chastain, if they ended up in victory lane, uh, Natalie Decker, if she ended up in victory lane, Ty Majeski, if they ended <laughs> okay. up in victory lane, Timmy Hill, Matt Crafton, Johnny Sauter, Grant Enfinger, and Ben Rhodes. So that's over 10. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 trucks. Yep. I have a 32-truck field. So it's almost half. I was one shy of half. I have had half before. Ain't too shabby, my friend. No. Okay, so give me give me kind of a rundown on this. How did you go from paying your own way to races, just shooting out of a out of a hauler, to having this – it's a business. Yeah. That is profitable, that you run yourself – and you have a couple other photogs that work with you, but for the most part, you are the one shooting anything and everything at the track. How did it go from that to now this, a full-fledged business? Iowa in 2018. No, Iowa in 2017, okay? I was out there with Brandon Bilt, and I got a call from Justin Wapham. He was at GMS at the time. You know Justin, right? Yeah. Opie. Shoot awesome. Yeah, shoot awesome. He's talented, real talented. And he gives me a call, and he's like, hey, man, are you in Iowa? I got someone that's looking for a photographer for their K&N team. And I'm like, oh, yeah, freaking K&N. Like, I give a crap. Speak for yourself for the third time. K&N doesn't exist anymore. You're right. It, li- it lives on. But we love Arca in this household. Oh, we do. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> I get a call from Josh Weinrich, who had just taken over the role of PR at, at Tory Racing. And they didn't have a photographer out there for their K&N car in Iowa. And they it was very important for the fact that uh, their team owner, Shiggy Hattori... Was that the, the race where they bring the Japanese They bring the students. Japanese yep. tech students over to, to help crew the car. They do that the, for one race every the year. The live piss And it's usually yep, exactly. Iowa. Yep. And... Uh, so they hired me for that and Shiggy was so impressed with my photos that the following week for Watkins Glen K&N race, he hired me to come shoot that. 
And after that, he said, can you come do the rest of the truck races for us for this year? And they also had another photographer at the time shooting the truck stuff. Mm. So he double hired photographer. Like, he didn't fire the person. Was that weird? It, it was kind of strange, yeah. But... Was there, like, tension? No, because I never interacted with the person. Oh, okay. Um, so, okay, go back for a second. When he asked you to shoot the rest of the truck stuff, because from my perspective, when I first started covering racing and stuff, I didn't really, quote-unquote, get it. Like, when, when they were like, hey can you go to California and cover this race? I literally responded back and go, sorry, I don't live there. I live in DC. And then they were like, no, no, no. Like we take care of the travel. And then I still was like, okay, like, uh, like what flight should I book? Blah, blah, blah. And they had to say, no, we take care of the travel. (laughs) So like, how did that conversation go? And were you kind of surprised by that? Or did you kind of like have previous experience with that knowing how like the business works? No. So the way it worked was, I, they had a set budget for me. There was some of the races I wasn't able to go to. Mm -hmm. I think my first truck race with them was either Chicago or Bristol. I think Chicago was before the Bristol night race for the trucks. I think that was like June. Sounds right. So I went to Chicago and I also had Josh Balicki. Um, and he was running an Xfinity car. I think Spencer Boyd as well. So I had to I had to go and find other money to make it work with what their budget was so I'd actually make money and going. I wasn't going to go and lose money. That was the thing. Um, they weren't paying my travel. And no one really pays my travel. I include, like, a travel fee in my, okay. my cost. Um, but I had to go and find money to, to make it work. Um, Where did you find it? Josh Balicki, Spencer Boyd. And that's how I started picking up more clients. You know, you, you, get, you go, you talk to people, you're like, hey, I can make it cheaper for for people if they hire me. Like I told Shiggy, I said, um, in Atlanta in 2018 when he wanted me to go full-time, um, he said, uh, are you going to be able to do the full season with us? And I said, well, I don't know right now because I don't think I have the clients to be able to do the entire schedule. And he said, oh, well, let me... Let me talk to this person. And he went and talked to someone. They talked to someone. And the next thing you know, I'm hired by another team. Shiggy asked if I was going to go full-time with them in 2018 with Brett Moffat. And I said, well, I don't know. I, I need to, you know, find other clients to help pay unless you guys want to, you know, pay me more to, <laughs> you know, get me to the track every week and so I can make money. Well, next thing you know, he's talking to someone, and they talk to someone, and then I have a couple other teams that want to hire me to do their photos for for the year. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Full-time racing on the truck series, full-time college student. Why not? Why not? So I did it. Uh, Going back to 2017 at Chicago, I had to do the travel as cheap as possible, you know. Because I had to, I had to make it work with the budget I had, with the the three clients or four clients or whatever it was, and I ended up booking like a Motel Six, and it was in. Did they leave the light on for you? <laughs> <laughs> they. It was in Little Palestine, is what the <laughs> place was called. Where? Where? <laughs> in Chicago. So it's like Little Palestine. Little Palestine, I think. I was pretty sure it's what it was. Good to know. And I walked into my room and everything was bolted down. Okay. Sick. The end stand was bolted down. 
The lamp was bolted to the end stand. <laughs> the TV was bolted to the dresser, which was bolted to the floor. And then the remote was bolted to the end stand. I don't know how they changed the batteries in that thing, but it was literally attached. And none of the outlets worked. So, that was... Glamorous uh, life on the road, huh? Yeah. Ever since then, I have picked my hotels a little bit more wisely. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was Sometimes it's scary. worth the extra 50 bucks a night to yeah, not yeah. be fearing for your life. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did the full t- full season with uh, Hattori in 2018. I picked up Thor Sport as a full-time client midway through 2018 um, as a client. Uh, I was also shooting for AM racing. What about PM? (laughs) You're such a dweeb. Continue. And, I mean, it's just kind of snowballed into what it is today. Um, Whenever I see, like, new driver announcements or... You know who ex- so so and so is gonna race this truck? I'll, I usually it's someone that I already have a contact with, mm-hmm. so I'll just reach out and ask. But if it's not, I'll find someone that does know them, and I'll reach out to them, and then they'll send me the contact, and then I'll ask. So I that's how it works. It's a lot of cold calling, yep. cold texting, like hey, give me your money for photos. <laughs> Uh, but that's just like the nature of this sport. You know, Absolutely, you're just asking people for money. <laughs> yeah, or opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, give, I'm give, more on the opportunities instead give, of the money give right now. Give yeah. opportunities. Um, so you kind of mentioned that uh, before that you're from New York. Yep. The city is. No. No, like not, what? What city are you from? Oh, it's not a city. What town are you from? Sorry, <laughs> it's not even a town. What shack did Village. you live in? <laughs> Village. Uh, a small ass place called Sydney. Sydney, spelled, but it's upstate New York. Yes, yeah, spelled with an I, not a Y. What? What's like the biggest town slash village that you live near? Syracuse. Sir, Albany. No, um, Binghamton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the closest. So you decided to not go to Binghamton University and you no. went to Coastal Carolina instead. Yeah, yeah. What was the decision-making process uh, I didn't that? have to shovel snow. Okay, so you're a warm weather guy. Yes, 100%. I'd rather be warm <laughs> So you were ready the second you graduated high oh, school absolutely. to get the hell out absolutely. of there. I'd rather be $90,000 in debt and college loans than <laughs> and happy um, that I went somewhere and did something than still be stuck in Sydney, New York. So tell me a little bit about your college days. I, I was asking you about the Coastal Carolina mascot. <laughs> what, what is it? It's a Chanticleer. A Chanticleer. Chant. Chant. Can I get the country of origin? Uh, well, I don't know about that. Can but you spell it? <laughs> C-H-A-N-T-I-C-L-E-E-R. What is a Chanticleer? It, have you ever read um, Chaucer's, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales? No. Oh, well, it's straight out of that. It's a... Um, I'm going to look it up right now. Keep yes, talking. Yes, it's a fighting rooster. A fighting cock? Yes. So You know, Tottenham Hotspur, they're the fighting cocks. <laughs> Get on, you Spurs! It's a, a majestic fighting rooster. Coastal Carolina, Shanta... Oh, I said S-C-H-A. Okay, Shanta clears. I'm looking it up. Mass. Yeah, it's right from the Canterbury Tales. Did you read that book? Yes, it was part of our our whole. I will say, I love the colors of Coastal Carolina. Teal and bronze. Teal and bronze. I love it. The Chanticleer looks very angry. Yeah, I told you. 
Wow. It's a fighting rooster. Wouldn't want to mess with that cock. University of South Carolina. You know University of South Carolina. Is this an actual thing that's on campus? Like a bronze? Yes. A bronze. Bronze Chauncey. (laughs) Yes. So listen, 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 listen. University of South Carolina. Gamecocks, right? Right. Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina used to be um, a satellite school of South Carolina until 1954 when they broke away and did their own thing. Okay. And they wanted to keep the essence of the Gamecocks. Understandable. And their their sort of logo and whatnot. So they went with the Chanticleer, you know, another fighting rooster. So they wanted to keep the essence of South Carolina. Who knew that South Carolina was just a cock-filled state? <laughs> Except Clemson, man. Well, they're good at football, so. Yeah, them Tigers. Oh, Dabo. Well, that's cool. So yeah. you enjoyed your college years. I really did. You I shot really a did. lot of baseball. I did. I, I got in with a field hockey. Am I crazy? Mm, you're crazy. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Okay. Yeah. Shot. So fo- I'm not totally crazy. Football, lacrosse, softball, baseball. My favorite to shoot was softball. Why? There's just a lot of energy. A lot of energy. There's a lot of energy. A lot of chants and yeah. people screaming and yelling. There is. Really, really enjoyed. Have that. you ever? Did you play baseball growing up at all? Like yeah. little league? Yeah. Have you ever um, stood in the batter's box with a softball pitcher thrown to you? Don't do it. No? It's so frightening. Is it? Oh, my God, yeah. Just the way the ball comes Well, just because the the mound is so much closer to you. Oh, yeah. And the ball looks bigger, so it's like, oh, my God, it's (laughs) coming from my face. And then when you think you got it, and you don't because the the mound's so much closer, the ball's faster, it's it's crazy. That's an aside. Um, Okay. We hit on DBP, the how, what, when, where, who, why. It was a very long explanation, but I thank you for it because I actually learned a lot. Um, we talked about your clients that you have. Yep. Under 50% of the truck garage we yesterday. About well, let's talk about Arca then. Okay. Who we got? Venerini. Uh-huh. Brett Holmes. Uh-huh. Uh, JGR. Uh-huh. Uh, Willie Mullins. Big Willie. Uh, Mark Rett. Uh... Not DGR. DGR for non-companions. Okay. Um, Slinging deals, baby. Chad Bryant. Mm-hmm. Who else races Arca? Um, we got DGR. Ryan Huff. Yeah. Um, not BMR. Because you're talking about Arca, Arca. You're not talking Arca East or West. No, I don't have. Uh, yeah. I have Arca East clients, no Arca West clients. Point remains that you got Cup clients, you got Xfinity clients, you I got, got a blank ton of truck clients and you got a blank time i'd of say ARCA about 60 percent of arca 45 yeah. percent of truck 20 percent of xfinity and i don't know whatever percent of cup eight percent of cup so you're doing every single race this season there will be the a plan DB, there will be a dbp presence at every single of the top three national series okay. races when you every say single arca race every single arca east, east race, race. But not west. But not west. When you say a DBP presence, does that mean you will be on the ground or one of your photographers will be on the ground? There will be me or one of my photographers. So you personally, are you gonna? You're not doing every single race, personally, most likely. Personally, I will do all the all the truck races. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirty-two or thirty-three cup weekends, um, and then however many Xfinity weekends fall with the the cup. And this is the most by far a year that Absolutely. you travel. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's another question because and and I have uh, IMSA. We got we do the right, the right. entire IMSA schedule. Because I'm on the road a lot, and I was last year. But and you're kind of one of the only people that is around my age that can really kind of, I guess, understand how life is for 
people like us on the road, but you were on the road way more than me, and you're going to be way more than me. 108 flights last year. Got that upgrade. Got that upgrade. So how do you manage being on the road so much when you got a girlfriend back home, you got two dogs that you want to say, ooh-roo to, ooh-roo, um, and you want to play with them and stuff? I mean, how do you manage all that? Because it's tough at sometimes. It's, well, you know, I haven't managed it yet with doing this many cup races. <laughs> Usually with the you've truck, done well so far. Yeah, usually with the truck and Xfinity, I could um, fly back Saturday night after the Xfinity race or Sunday morning, get home. Then I have all Sunday, all Monday, all Tuesday, and then either Wednesday or Thursday, I'm flying out again. But mm-hmm. now with Sunday, if it ends up being like a later race and I can't get a flight out, then I got to stay until Monday. Right. Then I'm not home until Monday afternoon. And, and since you are contracted by the team. It's not one of those things where if it's a rain delay, you could be like, eh, I'll just go. Yeah. Like, I got to stay. This is where, like, yep. for people listening that aren't really working in, quote unquote, the biz, this is not. The industry is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not like a fan when you have to go home for a rain out. This is work. Yeah. This is work. This is my job. This mm-hmm. is a full time job. It's a pretty damn cool job, but it's it a is. job. It, it, no matter what way you put yeah. it, it's a job. It's a career. Mm-hmm. I put my heart and soul, my, my blood into this. I actually cut myself last night on the. The fence. Well, I cut <laughs> myself on a rental car, so <laughs> thoughts um, and prayers to us. Blood, sweat, tears. I put everything into this. I've poured every single dollar that I've ever made into this business, and now you know it's it's paying off. But at the end of the day, if there's a, a rain out, rain delay or something, I got to stay. Last year at Talladega, they pushed the race to Monday, and I think we got quite a few laps in, though, didn't we? don't recall but i think that sounds right i think yeah we got we got a fair amount of laps in and i had i had a good gallery going for my cup clients i was shooting for beard and mm-hmm. gaunt last year at the cup tra- uh cup race at Talladega in the fall and then the rain came and it was gonna cost me a whole lot of money to, to stay longer mm-hmm. and i i sat down with both of my clients beard and uh gaunt and i said hey this isn't gonna be feasible for me money wise Mm -hmm. and that that's the only time that i've left before the completion of a race so again just so everybody's clear like when when you have to change flights or when you're booking flights and hotels and rental cars and all of this stuff the teams are not doing this for you this is all you are doing this by yourself so you're booking hotels and rental cars and booking your your own flights now and the team's not paying for them either you are paying for them but the teams when they pay you for your work and your service you in, you include a quote unquote service fee yeah, that basically. helps pay for yep, your travel exactly, and your expenses. Exactly. But you so, end up with a net profit say, every weekend, yeah, right? Yeah. Say it costs me a thousand dollars to travel, then all of my clients collectively pay towards that thousand dollars, and then they pay my on top my of that fee yes. for my services. Makes yeah. sense. Just wanted to get that. Yeah. Clear. So I'm I'm a full time travel agent. I'm a full travel agent, photographer, girlfriend, dog, father, accountant, house owner, business manager, entrepreneur. Yep. Your business card is going to be pretty, pretty long. I just ran out of them. (laughs) I actually ran out too. I was slinging some deals at Daytona and New Smyrna and I think I had like three left in my backpack. I got to stock up. All right. We already talked about birds not being real, uh, but memes in general, you're a huge memes guy. Love memes. I remember we were at a uh, Coyotes game when we were in Phoenix late last year 
and we were just like going through your yeah. Facebook feed on, on your wall and also just your timeline. And it was just, <laughs> and, but like these memes that Dalen likes, they're not memes that you'll see on Twitter every day. No, they're, they're like underground. Yeah. They're like black market. Yeah. Sell your kidney memes. And, like. and when you, if you don't think memes on Twitter make sense, you are going to have such a tough time figuring out what <laughs> any of these memes mean. I've had people ask me, um, my girlfriend's uh, father asked me, he sat me down and he's like, I'm like, oh God, here we go. It's, it's the talk. <laughs> the talk, right. And he, he sits me down and he goes, Dalen, what do these memes that you share on Facebook <laughs> even mean? And I looked him dead. I don't, I don't know half of them. I looked him dead in the eye and I said, what do you think they mean? <laughs> Just like that. And he goes, so they basically mean nothing. And I'm like, yeah, babe, pretty much. <laughs> Because and they literally don't make any sense. No, they don't. It's Except like, for like when Carl the Hedgehog wants you to hydrate or something like that. <laughs> then it just means hydrate. Yeah, of course. Which Hail we hide. love. We love staying hydrated. That's right. It's 2020. We stay hydrated and respect women in this household. That's what we do. All 2020. We also love Arca. We also love Arca. Yes, we do. Um, so you mentioned your girlfriend Shay. She's a good Shay. sport. Um, um, she's great with, sport. With you being on the road all whole the time. Whole lot of. Uh, whole lot of money. Whole lot of. I'll be home on Monday. I really miss you. Yeah. You know. I just saw you tweet as I was tweeting that there was a penalty announced. Uh, you said I love Vegas, but I miss my yeah, girlfriend so and dogs. On Thursday. I By the way, follow Dalen on Twitter at Bar Visuals. B A R R. Yep. You can search me. Um, I think my name is DBP right now. Like my, my, just my yes, name, it not is. my, it my is. handle. Whenever I get a notification that I get a RT or a favorite from DBP, my heart just feels very warm. <laughs> feels hot. Feels hot. <laughs> but she's a good sport. So she that's is. good. In, um, so that tweet that you said on Thursday I tweeted, I love Vegas. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was winning, You're winning money. Yeah. But yesterday it was a tough one after being home for, quite a few months with the the off season um and you know spending so much time with her and the dogs right after moving in together um this this last year it was it's tough it's been tough this weekend being away you know it's it's always nice to sleep next to your significant other every night and just can't it's i'm not gonna cry <laughs> you can do it it's okay no. uh it, it's it's just hard being away especially yeah. from the dogs and she sent me snapchats of the dogs enzo and jack enzo enzo all right wait enzo can, we, and can we uh, can we go there yeah so i slept at dalen's house the monday after the postponed daytona 500 we're just chilling on the couch it's like 11 o'clock 12 o'clock and your dogs enzo and jack jacks Jacks, sorry. It's okay. Enzo's a big fluff ball. Big, huge, ninety pound golden doodle. And Jax is not a big fluff ball. He's a nine pound morky. <laughs> that nine pound morky was uh feeling some uh he, some, he, <laughs> he was being a little frisky. He likes to uh <laughs> to get he likes to hump the shit out of Enzo. <laughs> I said it, sorry. He, he goes to pound town. Dude, he, literally we're sitting on the couch, Dalen's playing with Enzo. And Jack's just out of nowhere from the top rope, literally, literally from, from the, the top, top rope of the couch, of the couch <laughs> just like jumps on Enzo's leg and just starts thrusting uncontrollably. <laughs> and this happened not once, not twice, but like upwards of eight, nine times. Oh, my God. And Matt Weaver was also there. We're like, Matt, come see this. And it was just it was unbelievable. I got a picture of Matt Weaver with one of their dog bones in his mouth. Oh, that's I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> 
It's funny. But yeah, yeah your yeah, dogs are something else, man. They, they, yeah, but I miss them. Enzo will sit on the well, the entire time I'm gone. He'll sit on the couch and look at the door waiting for me to come back. Aww. She sent me Snapchat. Roo-roo. Roo-roo. I miss him. Let's talk about the photog life. Um, and we kind of saw the quote-unquote close-knit, tight-knit community group of NASCAR, the fans, the media, all that stuff when everything was coming out about Ryan Newman and his crash on Monday night. Um, the media core, in terms of print, broadcast, radio, that type of thing, it's very tight-knit. The drivers themselves, the crews, the teams, they're also very tight-knit. I feel like the the two groups of people in NASCAR that don't get the respect that they deserve are the hauler drivers and the photographers. Um, I kind of that. Yeah, kind of like the unsung heroes because, I mean, I have a unique relationship with you uh, because we've been friends for a while, and I kind of like got a peek behind the curtain to see – how photographers work and I thought that it was more so of a you get contracted out based on where you live but then I quickly figured out um, I mean you obviously know Nigel Kinraid and his empire that he built as well but like NKP every single race Nigel Russell um, all those guys they're at every single race you're at every single race Harold Henson photography they're at every single race I see all these familiar faces and all these familiar names and that is part of the familiar atmosphere that the sport has so in the photography room and in that kind of close-knit community, is it as tight as it kind of seems from the outside and how NASCAR is? Yeah, we we have our differences at times mm-hmm. between the different firms. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're competitors, but also we're all doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're not working for the same people, but we're all working in the same room, doing the same thing for, for people every single week. And you start becoming friends with people, even though they may work for someone else, or they may work for you one year and then go work for someone else right. the next year. It's just the business, like it's you just, said. It's just business, yeah. And you know, there's 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 competition for clients here and there, but things typically stay the same across the the Cup Series, which is you know the big cash cows for for those guys. They they typically stay the same for for years on end and it's when that happens when it's when there's not as much turnover like that it's easier to to be friendly with the people yeah 100 when something like that happens on like what happened on monday we're all we're all family there you know the entire nascar community media whichever side broadcast print radio tv photographer we're we're all one at that point, and I saw a lot of respect out of the photographers um, yeah. there that didn't didn't post anything. post any photos or anything of what happened. But then it, there was some like local people. And, they don't really get it, yeah. Like those uh, are also the the people in in broadcast and print that were the ones that were breaking the news, yeah. whether it was factual or not, saying that he's awake, he's in stable condition, whatever. And it's just. Yeah. It's one of those, and I get it from a journalist perspective. It's like, you know, you want to be first and you want to be right, but I was always told, be right, don't worry about being first. And then at the end of the day, um, it's respect for him and his privacy. And I, I'm trying to remember the exact phrase that one of my professors used, but it's essentially of the mindset of, will this harm somebody? Like, if I put this information out, will it, here it is, will this do more harm than good? Yes. That's kind of my rule that. of thumb. Yep. Um, so, and it's also cliche to say because everybody's like, oh, NASCAR is so familial, tight knit, but being in it, you're in it every single week. I'm in it most weeks. 
it literally could not be more true. Yeah, 100%. That's just how it is. 100%. Um, so we're, we're wrapping up here. I already asked you about being on the road all the time, and you're, you're constantly tired. I know you are. We all are. Um, I actually got a full eight hours last night. Really? I did. So did I, actually. I think I went to bed a little bit before midnight. Even having dinner pretty late last mm-hmm. night, um, I think I fell asleep around 11.30, and I woke up at um, 7.45. So. I, that's actually freaky. I think I had the same exact schedule. Like, no, no BS. Yeah, I mean, same we're schedule. on the same racetrack schedule. <laughs> yeah, we so. are. Um, so I want to end it with uh, talking about whether you'd be hot or cold at the racetrack, like shooting. Because I know at some points, I think Texas last year was real cold at one point, and you were bundled up. Vegas here, I mean, it's hot in the summer and the fall, but it is cold, cold. as so you can cold. get this weekend. So cold. And even even when it's hot, though, you're wearing, like, full sleeves. You're wearing yeah. one of those things to protect you from the sun. Yeah, I do that just so I don't get sunburned. My dad has had a few goes with um, some patches of skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just... I, I I wear sleeves when it's sunny, um, and a neck gaiter just to protect my neck and uh, arms from sunburn. I like to cover up with a hat, but I hate shooting when it's cold. Really? It just takes all the creative energy out of me. Hmm. Like, all of it. I'd much rather be hot. Well, that's why you moved down to Coastal, yeah. and now yeah, you yeah, live yeah. in Florida. I mean, they make us wear pants, which is kind of cumbersome, and I, I hate that because I'm you know shorts guy. I well, wore you, shorts. you know me. I'm a shorts guy, yeah, too. I, yeah, I wore shorts in the winter when it was, you know, four degrees yeah. outside New York. And If you check my website, it's under the Strange But True Facts tab on the homepage. It says, <laughs> I'm that guy that wears shorts yeah. in unusually cold weather, yeah. in parentheses, usually 25 degrees or above. That's me. Yeah. I... I think besides my work pants i own one pair of jeans and one pair of do you have a uh, pair of lululemon shorts no dude oh my god do they make life for guys like me yes yes life-changing i i understand you're a bigger boy than me but they're life-changing okay and i got a discount it's called the i love you man discount from one of my friends that works there so i got these like 80 dollars shorts for like i don't know like 45 bucks Hmm. it's worth it Hmm. they're so damn comfortable maybe i'll do that um, okay, so you're a hot guy. You're not a cold guy. Yeah, yeah. So this weekend has been killing me. Did you get that upgrade on the way here? I did. Yep, I think both I flights. From how did that? How did that kind of thing come about? What the, the got ha- that upgrade? Hashtag got that Parker upgrade. Parker Kligerman started doing it, uh-huh. and it just caught on. Got that upgrade or not that upgrade? Yeah. And that's that's in reference to flying. Um, yes. When you reach certain level of status on whatever airline of your choice. What is your airline of choice? American. By the way? I fly American. I know they get a lot of hate from people, but. I don't book my flights for, for all these races. Na- <laughs> Are you free? Uh, NASCAR books all of my travel, but I think they have a, a partnership with American or something like that. So most of my flights are on American. Yeah. I had never been status, and this year I reached gold. Hey, there so you I'm go. Got to start somewhere. Are you platinum? Executive platinum. Jeez. I'm oh, the, is that like the top of the top? I'm the highest tier status. I'm checking my American, American app right now. So if you're executive platinum. Oh, my God. Hold on. All right, we're going to give you some numbers here, and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> Account error. Oh, please. I okay, can... executive platinum. So you, okay, fifty at least $15,000 spent, 100,000 miles, and 120 segments. So that's flights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get that upgrade, big boy. I did, I did 130,000-odd miles last year, and I think it was like 17,000 and dollars but that's before taxes so i think my my entire that's crazy my entire expenditure last year including hotels is like 45 grand yeah 
It's a lot. Ain't cheap to run. It's this gonna sport. be more this year. Run around with these guys. Well, this has been fun. It's been about a uh, little under an hour. How about that? I took my jacket off. I was hot. We had some penalties announced midway hot. through. I was hot. We had NASCAR Communications. Uh, he just won an award. Mike Ford come in and barge in, and yeah. then quickly went out because he saw he that we were like, doing what something. What the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but this was fun. Thank you for joining me, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Davey. Might have to do it again sometime. Yeah, I really enjoy this. I feel like there's a lot more that I'd love to tell. A lot, a lot of stories of working with people and that sort of thing. But it's a good introduction to. Maybe we'll call this part one. Yeah, the DBP Empire. Yes, part one, part two coming to you later this year at some point at some point Thanks, buddy. <laughs> let's make it happen we'll make it happen and we're back i hope you guys enjoyed that one i know it was a bit long it's a little under an hour but that's the stuff that i want to do this podcast that i want to do with this podcast more is just sit down with people shoot the shit and have a conversation and learn more about them and i did that um and i'm sad that we don't really get to do that because of the pandemic and the situation we're in but that's why we have Zoom. So hopefully we can do a little bit more of that in the future moving forward. Hope you enjoyed that. L- let me know what you thought. If you thought that Dalen was just being a conspiracy theorist with his birds. And um, if you learned what a Chanticleer is, that was fun too. Let's briefly preview this upcoming race weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The Guard 400 for the Cup Series. Not only do we have that typical race, which will probably be, if we're being honest here, the most boring race of the weekend. We have the Xfinity Series debuting on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. And IndyCar is going to debut for 2020 on the same track as well. So this is the first time after a historic doubleheader for NASCAR at Pocono. This is another historic doubleheader for NASCAR and IndyCar. It's kind of crazy that it just took a pandemic for it to happen. But here we are. And also the Arkham Menard Series is going to race at Lucas Oil Raceway, a.k.a. IRP. That's hype. Arco West is going to be celebrating the 4th of July with no fans, unfortunately, at Irwindale Speedway in Los Angeles. Formula One's in Austria. IMSA's starting their season as well as F1 and IndyCar at Daytona. You got enough racing on tap this weekend? I mean, goodness gracious, I wish that I could just sit my behind on the couch. And I can, but um, I'm going to see friends at the beach this weekend, socially distanced, of course. But man, there there's a lot of racing going on this weekend. NASCAR, Xfinity, Arca, Arca West, IndyCar, F1, IMSA. What more could you want? (laughs) Goodness gracious. And I'm sure there's a lot of dirt racing going on as well. We know that I'm not into that crowd, but there's a ton of stuff there too. Not going to preview the races themselves too much because I know we're getting a little long here, but I got to look at Kyle Busch as one of the favorites for this weekend. It is mind-blowing, mind-blowing to me that we are more than halfway through the regular season and Kyle Busch has zero zero playoff points how does that happen he's a defending champ and he got zero playoff points it's unbelievable but i think harvick and hamlin will also be tough to beat because pocono translates a little bit in terms of speed and and one of the corners to indianapolis so if you're going to be looking at guys to keep up their hot streaks i'd look at the 11 and the four look nuts of the week cue that funky music white boy Chris Gabehart, 11 crew chief. Johnny Klossmeyer, 14 crew chief. Rodney Childers, the 4. And James Small, the 19. They have all been fined $10,000 for a loose lug nut after this weekend in Pocono. None in the Xfinity Series, but Danny Stockman, who is Brandon Jones' crew chief in the Truck Series, has been fined $2,500 for the same offense. Some unfortunate news to pass along. Rose Mattioli, 
has passed away at the age of 92. She helped co-found Pocono Raceway with Dr. Joseph Mattioli, so thoughts and prayers and condolences sent their way. Jimmy Johnson is going to test an Indy car this weekend for Chip Ganassi Racing at Indianapolis. You know what Chip likes, right? Winners. Jimmy's a winner. I'm going to be excited if there's any footage of that. I'm sure there has to be this weekend and hopefully maybe sometime soon, either next season. It's got to be next season. Probably not this season, but Jimmy in an IndyCar, I'm here for that. Josh Rayum will oversee the 93 RSS racing team piloted by Myatt Snyder for, I think, the remainder of the season, but one race that he has left with RCR. Jeff Green, Buckeye Bullet and former Xfinity champ, is still going to crew chief that operation. They have been working together for a while, being Rayum and RSS Racing. Champions Week at Nashville has been canceled, unfortunately, due to coronavirus. And Theodore Brown, the crew chief for the 74 car of Mike Harmon Racing, has been suspended for felony habitual misdemeanor assault and misdemeanor assault on a female. Oh. Well, uh, that's interesting, for sure. Don't really... <laughs> I mean, that car was kind of irrelevant. And um, you kind of know that car by Mike Harmon, Kyle Weatherman. They've had the back the blue, stand for the anthem paint schemes. Um, and look, a lot of people are like, get that out of here. Or they're like, yeah, we like that. If you're going to have a Black Lives Matter car, which I fully support, um, you got to say that it's okay to have that car as well. Even if you don't support it, that that's what this country is about, right? Free speech, and you can put whatever you'd like on your race car within reason, of course. Corey LaJoy had the Trump 2020 decal on his, and we're going to get an announcement later this week of, I think, a $350,000 sponsorship endorsement from that company for multiple more races to keep that decal on the 32 car for Go Fast Racing. So that's an aside. But that'll also wrap things up for Episode 64, Elmo Langley Edition of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor. If you like what you heard, do what my dad did. Leave a rating and a review on this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. It is likely that we are available for your listening pleasure there. Thank you for listening. Peace and love, my dude and dudettes. We will be back next week with hopefully another interview, recap Indianapolis, and preview Kentucky. Until then, have a safe and fun 4th of July weekend. And I'll talk to you guys on the flip side.